Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. came tonight ready for some preaching yes. and I appreciate God's man Pastor Mark Stroud, appreciate him taking time to be with us this week and uh, what preaching we heard last night, amen, yes. and I appreciate the message from the Word of God, looking forward to feeding again tonight, so you grab your Bible and get ready to hear from what God says through his man tonight Preacher, it's a joy to have you back at Beacon yes. Exodus chapter 21 Exodus chapter number 21. I appreciate the good service thus far. Amen. Never seen the righteous forsaken nor received begging bread. I thank God that he's faithful and I bless the Lord. Exodus chapter 21. I appreciate the good fellowship I had today with your pastor and his wife. We had a good time together as we fellowshiped around the coffee table and then the dinner table and uh, had a good time together and I appreciate the time that we had. Exodus chapter 21, I ask you to pray for me. I've had a little bit of my head, head's been sort of swimming today, a little bit, my head hurts, so you pray God help me, touch me. A lot of times if I can just get started and the Holy Ghost unctionize me, I can get through, amen. And you preachers know what I'm talking about. And uh, so you pray the Lord to help me. Exodus chapter 21, let's stand together. Brother Lawson, thank you again for letting me be here today. And uh, I'm excited uh, that uh, God's given me this opportunity and I want to be an encouragement to you. Verse number 1 of Exodus chapter 21, the Bible said that now these are the judgments which thou shalt sit before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years shall he serve, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master hath given him a wife, and she hath borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if thy servant shall plainly say, I love my master. Uh, just back up and hit that again. <laughs> And if the servant shall ashamedly say, No, sir. Or, and if the servant shall hesitantly say, No, sir. Or the servant shall softly say, No, sir. He said, And if the servant shall plainly say, Yes, sir. Amen. Man, we ought to take time out on this next phrase. Yes, sir. Praise God for about an hour. Amen. And shout till you can't stand up. Yes, sir. And cry till you're out of tissues. And, and weep until you have to get to somebody else's handkerchief. Amen. Amen. On the thought, I love yes, sir. my master. Amen. Amen. Mm. My wife and my children and I will not go out free. 
Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or unto the doorpost. And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. You can be seated. I want to turn your attention back to verse number five. If the Lord will help me. I want to lift that phrase, and if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master. My friend, Brother Reese Key, tells me that I would never have a sermon title if it wasn't for the church hymnal. I like to use the song titles for my sermon titles. And he said, if you didn't know the church hymnal like you do, you would never have a title to a message. But if you're familiar with with the church hymnal like I am, I, I'm pretty partial to number eight. I mean, you get number four, it says I'm free again. And then number six is I want to know more about my Lord. Number 14 is I'll meet you in the morning. I really like that one as well. But, but if you get to verse, that verse number, that number eight in the church hymnal, it is this one. I love the Lord deep down in my heart. And if the Lord would help me, I'm not going to preach as long as I did last night. My body's feeling that long preaching. Amen. I want to preach on that thought. I love the Lord deep down in my heart. Vance Havner said that revival was when the people of God fell in love with the Lord Jesus all over again. The preacher's already said it tonight, revival, a lot of people are looking for a new work and a new thing. But the word revival in itself, and the etymology of that word, is a re, that vibe, that means to breathe again, to live again. And revival is not a new work. Right. Revival is the stirring of an old work. May I say to you, if tonight you're a born-again child of God, and your heart is cold on the Lord, that you don't need God to do a new work. You need him to stir an old work. Amen. And uh, that's what we're looking for tonight, that God would stir our heart to the things of God once again. In Exodus chapter number 20, if you studied your Bible, you realize that in Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments have been delivered uh, to the servant of God. In, the, in Exodus 20, you get that law of Moses. It has three divisions. There's the moral law, and then there's the civil law, and then there is the ceremonial law. That moral law is found in the Ten Commandments. The civil law is found from Exodus 21, Exodus 22, and Exodus 23. And then you find that ceremonial law in Leviticus 1 uh, through about Leviticus 7. And when you look at these three divisions in the moral law, 
Paul, we see the governing authority of God the Father. In the second, in that uh, uh, civil law, we see the uh, we see the area that the Holy Ghost uh, uh, works in uh, maintaining order in the lives of God's people. And then when you get to that ceremonial law in the book of Leviticus, friend, uh, you find that there is a series of types uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ in those offerings uh, in uh, Leviticus 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6, and 7, some several years ago uh, leading up to Easter. I preached out of those uh, first chapters of the book of Leviticus with an old, another old uh, hymn title. The old hymn was, Lead Me to Calvary. At chorus said, Lest I forget Gethsemane, and lest I forget thy love for me. And can I tell you, it doesn't take very long if you'll spend some time around Calvary. You'll realize just how much you meant to the Son of God. But now when we look at Exodus 21, God is talking to them about buying a Hebrew servant. Can I tell you, when you look at the verses that I've read to you tonight, it's amazing to me, and it might be amazing to you as well, that the life of a servant could be so intertwined, could be so commingled with that of the master that when the time came that that servant could go out of the master's house and he could be a free man, that servant would come to himself and say, I tell you what, I don't want another master. He might come to himself and say, I don't even want to be my own master. The servant might look at it this way. He said, I tell you what, after the last six years that I've spent with my master, I tell you what, I don't want to go back living my own way because living my own way is what got me into this mess to begin with. Doing my own thing is what got me on the auction block. Doing my own thing is what cost me to lose everything that I had. And maybe that servant would say it this way. Man, maybe I've been with a master so long that I can't imagine getting up tomorrow and not sitting at my master's table. I can't imagine getting up tomorrow and not being able to sit in my master's presence. I can't imagine getting up tomorrow and not hearing my master's voice. I can't imagine getting up tomorrow and not putting my legs under the master's table and fellowshipping with my master and loving my master and doing the bidding of my master. I'm telling you, listen, I believe he got to the place in these verses where he said, I tell you what, I believe I'm going to stay right here in the master's house for the rest of my life. And somebody looked at him and said, why in the world when you had the opportunity to go out and be free, would you choose to live in the house of your master? And I could hear that servant say, well, there's many reasons that I don't want to go, but the main reason is I love my Lord down deep in my heart. No earthly change can cause us to part because I've been made a child with a homeward start. And I 
love the Lord down deep in my heart. You may be sitting here tonight and wondering as we've read this text together, why in the world would somebody choose to live a life of service, a life of servitude instead of going out and doing your own thing and calling your own shots and making your own decisions? You might want to be, you might question, why would this man choose to live his life doing the bidding of another? How could they get to the place where they would say, I love my master more than I love my own way. I love my master more than I love my own life. I love my master more than doing my own thing and my own bidding. And you say, well, if you're thinking that way, you might not have met the master that they were singing about. Oh, how marvelous. And oh, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. The old songwriter said, did I mention that I love him? How I worship and adore him. I cannot tell you if you ever have an encounter with that kind of Savior. If you ever have that kind of encounter with that kind of master. If you ever have an encounter with that kind of love. It will not be a strange thing. It will not be an awkward thing. It will not be a mystery to you why he would say I love my master. That old song said I stake my very life. Can I tell you what I did 30 years ago when God called me to preach. I stake my very life. I stake the wife of my family. I've staked the life of my children. I've staked the life of my church. And can I say to you he's always been faithful. He's been more than I could have dreamed of. He's been more than I can tell you. I'm telling you he's a faithful master. He's a wonderful master. And I love my master. Amen. 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 If you ever meet him, you might decide you've lived long enough without him. You ever meet him, you might decide that you don't want to do your own thing. You don't go your own way. I remember reading the Civil War. <coughs> Abraham Lincoln walked into a slave auction. There was a young black female slave on the auction block. And Abraham Lincoln walked into that, walked into that place, and they were men around that, around that uh, auction block. And they were bidding on that young lady. And some of them may not have had ill intent, but probably some did. And they said Abraham Lincoln walked in, walked into the midst of those men and began to bid on that young female black slave. And finally Abraham Lincoln just outbid the whole crowd. And it sort of made the men mad and they walked out. The auctioneer banged the gavel and said, sold to the tall gentleman. That little girl looked at Abraham Lincoln and she said, I guess I'm yours now. And Abraham looked at Lincoln, looked at that young girl and he said, no. He said, I bought you to set you free. Amen. Amen. Yeah. 
She said, do you really mean it? He said, yes, ma'am, I really mean it. He said, do you mean, she said, do you mean I can be what I want to be? He said, yes, ma'am. He said, do you mean I can say what I want to say? He said, yes, ma'am. He said, does that mean I can go where I want to go? He said, yes, ma'am. Does that mean I can stay where I want to stay? He said, yes, ma'am. He said, does that mean that I can do what I want to do? He said, yes, ma'am. She said, well, then I want to go with you. Can I tell you what happened? Once like a bird in prison I dwelt. No freedom from my sorrow I felt. But Jesus came and listened to me. And glory to God, he set me free. Oh, friend, 29, uh, listen, uh, 37 years ago, uh, on a Sunday morning, about 12, 15, uh, under Holy Ghost conviction, uh, I bumped into a man uh, that is wonderful and altogether lovely, uh, a one that's good and ready to forgive, uh, a one that's God alone, uh, a one that's seated on the throne in heaven, uh, whoever liveth to make intercession for you and I. And can I tell you what I met him? He didn't come to put me in bondage. He didn't come to put me in prison. He didn't come to put me under the law. He came to deliver me from the law. And thank God he set me free. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. I was a little nervous earlier. But the butterflies are flying in formation now, praise God. Amen. Amen. Somehow or another, we're living in a day where we think that our Christian life is ours to choose the shots. It's for us to go where we want to go, do what we want to do, wear what we want to wear, listen to what we want to listen to. But that's not the Christianity of my Bible. I believe he said, you're not your own, but you're bought with a price. Amen. I thought it said to me that he, he bought us with his precious blood. Amen. And if he bought us and we're not our own, that means he's our master. And we ought to go where he says go, do what he says do, be what he says be, act like he says act for you. Amen. Oh, we're living in a day where people, uh, they say they get saved and they just keep going on uh, doing the same old thing they've always done. Something's wrong with that. Uh, you've come a long way too late, friend, uh, to tell me when something as big as God moves in uh, that there will not be a change. It may not happen at the same rate in everybody's life, but there's one thing about it. It will happen. Somehow along the way, we've got the idea even in the ministry that uh, that uh, we'll just get to a certain place. Their folks will wait on us. I've been around men, they walk in and they think everything's about them. But I tell you what, the, the more we get to Christ, somebody said, the more, the, mo- the time that we're most like Christ is when we're serving others. Look at Romans 1. But Tony, look at 2 Peter 1. Look at Jude 1. And look at James 1. 1-1, one, one, all of them. Romans 1-1, 1, 2 one, Peter 1, uh, is it 2 Peter 2-1? Let me look at my notes. 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1-1, one, one, James 1-1, one, one, and Jude 1. 
Pastor, tell me what it said in Romans 1. Real slow. Paul. Sir. Paul. Surely it said Paul, yes, the writer of 14 books in the New Testament. Yes, Is that what, I, mean, I mean, listen, I believe he wrote 14. He was the apostle of the Gentiles. Number 14 is a number for national deliverance, a large deliverance. He was the apostle who brought deliverance to the Gentiles. You and I better be glad the Hebrews didn't want him. You better be glad the Jews said, let his blood be on us and our children. Because if the Jews had received him, you and I died and went to hell. But they didn't want him. And because they didn't want him, we got grafted in. Like a wild olive branch, praise God. We got grafted in. Surely it said Paul, the greatest preacher since Jesus Christ. Surely it said Paul, a blue blood Hebrew. Surely it said Paul, the one that God delivered the truth about the church, the truth about the second coming, the truth about salvation, the truth about the grace of God. Surely that was the description. Yes, what did it say? <laughs> Paul a what? A servant. I mean, man, you talking about I believe that little Jew could preach like fork and lightning. Yes, sir. You say, how you know it got him beat? It got him shipwrecked. It got him thrown in jail. You think he was scared to preach? <laughs> But it said, Paul, a servant. What, what, what did it say in 2 Peter 1, 1, Brother Tony? Simon Peter, a servant. Surely it said Simon Peter, the one who walked on the water. Surely it said Simon Peter, the only one of the disciples that got out of the boat. Right. Simon Peter, a servant. Amen. A servant. How about James? Which one of you got James? James, servant. James, the half brother of Christ. James, the half, the one that lived with him, the one that saw Jesus off the platform, out of the pulpit, saw him in his daddy's carpet. Is that what it's now? He did. He wouldn't even. I mean, boy, in this day, he wouldn't bragging on no connection. He wouldn't tell who he was connected to. He said, James, a what? A servant. A servant. Amen. A servant. Amen. You know what? I'm being the kind of pastor that I ought to be. I'm serving the bride. Amen. Can I tell you what? When I'm being the husband I need to be, I'm serving my wife. You say, bless God, I'm the man in my home. You keep that macho act up. Amen. I know the Bible said husbands love your wives even as Christ to love the church. And wives, submit yourself to your old husband. And hey, but can I tell you, there's a verse before that says submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Right. Hey, sir, your wife might submit to you if you'd submit to your preacher. Right. Amen. Amen. Why would she submit to you when you won't submit to the authority God's put over you? Right. Everybody okay? I just thought I'd throw that in there. Submission's as much a Bible doctrine as salvation is. Yes. Separation's as much. Boy, we don't say much about that anymore, do we? Nobody will. Well, you're just getting, man, these, these, these preachers brow-breaching tell you you ought to be separated from the world. I know a preacher didn't tell me that. The Scripture told me that. Amen. 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 Which one did you have? Jude. Jude the what? Surely it said Jude. 
the one that God chose to write the foyer of the revelation of yes. the Lord Jesus. I mean, the last book before he begins to reveal that Lord, the revelation of Jesus Christ, according to Revelation 1. I mean, man, he let Jude be the one that wanted to talk about the ungodly and pulling people out of the fire and all the heresy and, and the deception of being the, the great man that, uh, that God used to warn before the revelation. Surely it said all that. What did it say? Jude, the what? Servant. Servant. Yeah. Amen. Yes. Uh, yes. So we must ought to identify ourselves more that servant in Hebrews, or excuse me, in Exodus 21, sure. than we really thought we ought to. Amen. Amen. Are you listening? Hey, Are you listening? Hey, you go over there and you go over there with the Queen of Sheba. She brought all them gifts. You know what she said? She said, boy, your servants. She said, they're happy right. to stand before thee. Yes, Can I tell you the greatest, uh, the greatest advertisement uh, for the master is happy servants. Yes. Right. Amen. Amen. It's not a mailing. It's not a track. Uh, the greatest testimony you can be of Christ is be a happy Christian of that amazing grace reached down to where you were and pulled you out of hell and saved you by the grace of God, filled you with the Holy Ghost and put your name in the Lamb's book of life or put you on the road to a better day and made a promise to you that heaven will be your home. That's something worth being happy about. I love the Lord down deep in my heart. Why? Look at your Bible. Look at verse 2. How did these men come into a relationship with one another? How did they come to know one another? Look at your Bible. It said, if thou buy right. a Hebrew slave... I mean, I, you ought to underline, you want to know how these men came into a relationship, how they come to make the acquaintance of one another. You ought to, you ought to underline those three words, if thou buy. Why in the world did that man need to be bought in the first place. Why did he need to be purchased? Can I say to you, he needed to be purchased because of the state he was in, because of the condition that he found himself in. Uh, somewhere in his life, he had made some bad decisions. Uh, somewhere in his life, he had made some bad investments. Uh, he had made some bad choices uh, that caused him to be overwhelmed in debt. His debt had got so large uh, that it overwhelmed him uh, and he could not pay the debt that was due. Uh, but can I tell you most likely uh, uh, that man would have done everything he could have done uh, to satisfy the demands of his creditor. He would have probably tried to sell his herds. Uh, he would have tried to sell his flocks. Uh, he had tried to sell whatever assets he had uh, to meet the demands of his creditors. Uh, but it didn't matter what he did. Uh, he just kept coming 
coming up short. He was in bondage. He was unable to free himself. He was waiting to be sold, not to the man of his choice, but to the highest bidder. I don't know about you, but you ought to by now see some sort of similarity between that man and you and I, friend. The Bible said, for we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal sold unto sin. And can I tell you, I don't know when you got saved, but I do know that old song, I was there when it happened. And I guess I ought to know. Amen, friend. And you were in the same place I was. You were sold under sin. You couldn't sell enough. You could not liquidate enough to pay the sin debt. And you were not qualified to pay the sin debt. But thank God Almighty, there was one who didn't put us on layaway. But he paid, the old songwriter said, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. A sin had left a crimson stain. But he washed me, this I know. But Josh, come help me. You come be the auctioneer. But Tony, you come help me. Boys, y'all come help me. Young man on the end down there, you come help me. Brother Tony, you be, you be my Hebrew slave. Boys, you come here. You be my creditors over here. Hey, Amen. Come on over here. You be another creditor. I told you before, that man didn't have a choice who bought him. He was at the mercy of the bidders. And that auctioneer would have stood up there in that, in that slave auction and said, who'll give me this? Who'll give me that? And these men may have bid. One may have bid a number, and the other one bid a number, and the other one bid a number. And he was sitting there wondering, I wonder what they want with me. And then out of us, all of a sudden, somebody walked into the auction and bidding was done because he bid such a, he bid such a high price. He bid everybody else out of the business. And all of a sudden, the ones that were clamoring to buy the servant, all of a sudden, they got deathly silent. And boy, you could hear in that quiet place, you could hear as the auctioneer banged the gavel and he had said, sold to the man in the gray suit. Amen. And can I tell you, when if I bought that Hebrew servant, uh, that wouldn't have been enough. Let's say uh, I'd have agreed to pay a certain amount. Well, fellas, the thing was that that man uh, had not paid enough to satisfy the debts of the men uh, who had claims against him. What I would have had to do for him to be my servant, I'd have had to go to you and said, how much does he owe you? And you said, well, sir, he owes me a thousand. I'd have had to reach on top of what I paid for him, and I would have had to pay you out. And then I would have looked at you and said, well, how much does he owe you? And you'd say, sir, he owes me more than he does him. He owes me 2000 And I had to reach in my wallet and paid you off. And then I would have looked at you and you said, well, he owes me more than them put together. And I'd have had to reach in my wallet and I'd have had to pay you off. But there was one thing about it when me and that Hebrew servant walked out. I wouldn't owe him anything. And I wouldn't owe him anything. And he wouldn't owe him anything. He wouldn't 
know the auctioneer anything. Right. Oh, but friend, when he walked out of there with me, he would owe me everything. Oh, can I tell you, when I walked out of that church service uh, 37 years ago, I didn't know hell anything. I didn't know the devil anything. Oh, but I owed him everything. He had paid my debt. He had washed me in the blood. He had forgiven me of my sin. He forgave me of every lie. He forgave me of every sin. I didn't know the world anything. I didn't know the church anything. Oh, but I owed him. I said I owed him. I said I owed him everything. Hallelujah. Amen. You know why I loved him? You know why I loved him? Because there was a purchase that found me. Amen. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Brother A.C. Dixon, a pastor in Shelby, North Carolina years ago, he wrote of a little school district in West Virginia. And when I read what A.C. Dixon wrote about that school district, it puts me in mind of a one-room schoolhouse from many years ago. Nancy Dixon said there was a school in that in that school district that was full of just renegade children, mean boys. They couldn't keep a teacher. They kept them run off. This young man had just graduated from college. He sat down for an interview with the superintendent of that district. He said, sir, I'd like the job of that such and such a school. And that superintendent sort of mocked him and, and said, do you know what you're asking for? There ain't nobody before you ever survived, and you won't survive either. He said, I may not. He said, but I want to try. Can I have the job? And that superintendent said, you can have the job. They said all them children in that schoolroom that day, and that teacher walked in the back of that building, and man, them young'uns was a raising cane, and, and uh, they were being loud, and that teacher walked in, and old Big Tom, the bully of the whole crowd, the big boy, he looked at his friends and said, I won't need no help with him. I can handle him all by myself. And he said he walked up to the front, he put his books down, and he stood in front of the backboard, he turned around to speak to those kids, and when he did, they just got louder and louder and louder. And finally that teacher said, hey! And they all quietened down. He said, I want to have a good school. I want to have a good classroom. I want to have a place that you can learn. He said, but if we're going to do that, he said, we're going to have to make some rules. He said, so I want you to help me make the rules. He said, what do you think the rules ought to be? And before he knew it, them kids started to shout it out. Uh, no cussing, no fighting, no stealing. And he was uh, writing it on the board as fast as he could write it. And before he knew it, he had 10 rules written on the board. Here's where he sucker punched them. He said, well, if we're going to have rules, we've got to have punishment. He said, what do you think the punishment should be? And one of them old hard-nosed boys spoke up and said, I say 10 licks across the back with the rod. The teacher said, that's a little stiff, don't you think? And that boy had more, he had more testosterone than he had since. He said, we can take it. 
So he wrote it on the board. Didn't take but a few days, old big Tom come walking up to the teacher. He said, sir, he said, somebody stole my lunch. And took the teacher a little time and he finally figured out who did it. There was a little boy in the back, his name was Tim, and found out Tim had took Tom's lunch. And he said, called Tim to the front, he said, Tim, did you take Big Tom's lunch? He said, yes, sir, I did. He said, why would you, why would you steal Tom's lunch? He said, sir, I was hungry. I was hungry. And he said, well, son, if you stole his lunch, you know what the penalty is. You're going to have to take 10 licks with the rod. He said, take your coat off, son. He said, Mr. Teacher, he said, please, don't make me take my coat off. He said, I'll take the licks, just don't make me take my coat off. He said, son, you know the rules. It's 10 licks on your back. The little boy began to unbutton his coat. And it became very apparent when he dropped the coat off of his shoulder why he didn't want to take his coat off. He took that shoulder, dropped it off his shoulder, and the teacher saw the little boy didn't have a shirt on. He said, son, why don't you have a shirt? He said, sir, we're poor at my house. My daddy died a year ago. And he said, we don't have any money. He said, I don't have but one shirt. And he said, today's wash day. And mama's washing my shirt. So my big brother gave me his coat. Can I tell you something, friend? I'm not but a generation away from a family that my daddy grew up with 13 siblings. Are you listening? I mean, my mom and dad both picked cotton. They were sharecroppers when they were children. Are you listening to me? And he said, sir, he said, I didn't have a shirt, so my brother gave me his coat so I could stay warm. And Brother Josh said, old teacher was sitting there thinking, how in the world am I going to whip this little boy with no shirt on? And he said, all of a sudden, from the back of the classroom, a hand went up. And the teacher turned around, Brother Tony, and guess who had his hand up? Old Tom had his hand up. Hallelujah. He said, sir, he said, uh, could it not have, could there not be a substitute? Somebody that would take Timmy's whipping for it. That teacher said to himself, he said, I don't know if he made it up or he really believed it. He said, but Tom, he said, I really believe there's a law that said there can be a substitute for somebody to take his punishment. And all of a sudden, old Tom said, well, Mr. Teacher, I'll take it. What about that? Oh, the offended was about to take uh, the punishment of the offender. And old Tom walked up there to the front. He bowed down and that teacher took that rod and began to lash him across the backside. On the fifth lick that rod broke in two. And the man, he said, how in the world am I going to keep whipping this young'un? And he turned around. Every, t- every child in the place was a squalling. He didn't know what was going on. And he turned around and looked and he understood what was going on. Old Timmy was hanging off the neck of old Tom. He said, Tom, I'll love you forever. He said, you took my whipping. 
He said, I should have took that whipping, but you took my whipping for me. And he said, I'll love you forever. I'm telling you, when you and I stood naked before the law of God, when we couldn't pay our payment, or when we couldn't take the judgment and we couldn't take the wrath, I'm glad somebody from the back of the class lifted their hand and said, I'll take it. I'll pay the sin debt in Calvary's flow. Can I tell you the reason I love my master? If you're here tonight and you've never been saved, I got good news. You don't have to pay your sin debt. It's already been paid. You say, I need to be saved. What do I do? Nothing. It's already been done. There's not a work you can do. There's not a way you can clean up. I'm telling you, he shed his blood that you might be saved. All you have to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The reason I love my master is there was a purchase that found me. Look at verse 4. He said, if his master had given him a wife, and she had borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And the servants shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I believe he said, you know, I don't just love my master because of the purchase that found me. He said, but I love my master because of the provisions that favor me. I wonder if he woke up that morning that was gophery day. He rolled out of the bed and dropped his feet off the bed, sat there for a minute, looked up, and said, you know, before I met the master, I didn't have anything. I'd lost my lands. I'd lost my home. I lost my friends. I lost my family. But look at me now. Yeah. Some of you are sitting here, and when he found you, he didn't find you in a he didn't find you in a mansion, and he didn't find you on the straight and narrow. But he found you with liquor on your breath. He found you with lust in your heart. He found some of you families was about to come apart at the seams. But boy, if you could roll out of the bed today and sit down and put your feet in the goodness of God and say, boy, look at me now. Look at how different. Oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. Since Jesus passed by. Since Jesus passed by. Oh, what a difference since Jesus passed by. There's a roof up above me. I have a good place to sleep. I've got that too high key. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and a fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Maybe walk down the hall. We was talking about your blessing today. 
We talked about the first time you saw your blessing. We talked about how God's men put their approval on your blessing. We talked about how your blessing has just stayed with you when it's been hard and when other men's wives are pushing them to change and pushing them to compromise. She's just walked on. <laughs> and maybe he walked down to the kitchen and she just brushed his hand as she walked by. And he thought, you know, before I came, I didn't have nobody to love me and I didn't have nobody to love. But look at that right there. Praise God. Hallelujah. And could you imagine? Come here, old white. Come here, son. Help me. Could you imagine? Maybe he walked on through the house and when you wouldn't look and just throw your arms around your dad and hug his neck. Maybe, maybe that old Hebrew slave got up and said, when I got here, I didn't have a wife to love that. I didn't have no children. He but one of them boys just run around him and grabbed him by the thigh and said, Daddy, I love you. Daddy, I love you. You're a good daddy. I wonder to God tonight if we'd just look around at the provisions of God. Do you know how many men would give every dime they have in their pocketbook, in their, in their bank accounts, every acre they've got, but stand on a platform and sing with their children and their wife play the piano. I'm talking about give it all up but to be in the house of God today. I don't know about you, but God has been good to me. I don't need a commentary to tell me that. I don't need a preacher to tell me that. I don't need a book on my bookshelf to tell me that. All I've got to do is look around. When I look to my right, it's the goodness of God. When I look to my left, it's the goodness of God. When I look behind me, it's the goodness of God. When I look before me, it's the goodness of God, friend. I'm telling you the reason of that I love my master. It's not only because of the purchase that found me, but because of the provision that favors me. Look at verse 6. And I'm done. Miss Tory, come on back to the pen. Look at verse 6. <clears throat> Let me just say this to all of us. The good things you have in your life is not because of your talent. It's not because of your ability. It's not because of your work ethic. But everything you have can be traced back to the goodness of the Master. Look at verse 6. All the way till you get to verse number 6, it's all a being about what the Master has done for the servant. But when you get to verse 6, it's time for the servant to testify. They took him down to the gate, I think very similar to the situation in Ruth chapter 4. Well, they'd have took them down there to the gate, and they would have said, hey, today is the day you can go free. Today's the day you can go home. Today's the day you can get your land back, your possessions back. But now, the servant, see all them other years, those other six years, the master got to show the servant how much he loved him. But on this day, 
the servant was going to show the master how much he loved him. Can I tell you, friend, listen to me. God is looking for a people who will serve him freely, who will worship him voluntarily, who will love him as a reflex of their heart. Listen, not because they cannot choose to do anything else, but because they choose him over everything else. Are you listening? In our day, and listen, I think about Isaiah 53, said he was numbered among the transgressors. Philippians 2 said, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man, and being found fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Luke 15 said, and the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, this man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. You know what gets me in our day? Christ was so quick to identify with us, yet we are so reluctant to identify with Him. I thought I'd cut that off. Let me ask you something. He saved you. If you're a child of God, have you ever identified with Him? The Bible said they took him to the door. You know what I found? I buy all them expensive books, and they skip all the hard verses. But pay, you pay $100 for them old books, and you get in there and get the verse you really need some help with, and they skip right over it. I've read and read and read, trying to figure out what door that was. I, don't, I, I can't see that it was a door at the gate. I, I believe they took him back to the master's house. That door would have been the place that separated the family from the servants. And friend, it wasn't putting no little bitty earring in his ear. But they had a drove a wooden awl, almost like them gauges today, through his ear. And from that point forward, preacher, as he walked through the streets of town, he didn't have to say anything. Because everybody in town knew when they saw that hole in his ear that he loved his master. And he had a good master. All he had to do was keep walking and they'd see that. He didn't have to say, can I tell you about him? Can I tell you what he's done for me? All he had to do was just turn his head and they could see that ear. And they said, boy, that fella could have went free. He could have went and done his own thing. But he must have had a good master because he chose to stay. See, there wasn't just a purchase that found him. There wasn't just a provision that favored him. But he made a proclamation that followed him for the rest of his life. Boy, shouldn't we, youngers, listen to me. Somewhere along the way, you're going to have to make a decision that you're going to follow Christ. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Here's where we struggle. Though none go with me, still I will follow 
Though none go with me, still I will follow. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. Here's my question. It'd be one thing if all of you went together, but I wonder, have either, any of you decided, I'll go if they won't? I'll go if he doesn't. You'll go if they don't. I'll go if mom and dad quit. I'm still going to go. Because I love the Lord. Deep down. And my heart, heads are bowed. Miss Tori's playing. Let's stand our feet. I wonder how many of us on this Tuesday night might slip around an altar and say, Lord, I want to tell you I love you because of the purchase that found me. I want to tell you I loved you because of the provisions that favored me. And I want to tell you I love you by the proclamation that have followed me all the days of my life. I'll go with you. serving the sweeter he grows the long the longer I serve him the sweeter he grows the more that I love him more love he bestows
but now. And I didn't even know if I could love her anymore then, but boy, I tell you what, with every passing year, it's better, sweeter, more full, brings more joy than I ever, man, we don't have to be doing anything. We can just ride down the road with her hand on mine. She don't have to say anything. Just ride down the road. Being her presence brings me joy and peace. Why ain't it like that with the Lord? The longer you serve him, the sweeter he grows. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.